For The Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Didici. You're listening to Daybreak. Voting in Georgia's Senate special elections ends today. With control of the Senate hanging in the balance, we'll dig into the key dynamics in the races and tell you what the polls have been saying about the four candidates. It's Tuesday, January 5th. After the November election, things were looking good for Republicans in the Senate. They had won 50 seats, with two outstanding special elections in Georgia, a state which has not elected a Democrat to the Senate since 1996. Despite the fact that Joe Biden narrowly won the state's presidential vote, the Republican Party garnered higher vote shares in both Senate races. However, in Georgia, you need a majority to win a Senate seat. No candidate reached the magic 50% of votes, and the races were shuffled along to January runoffs. If Democrats take both of these runoffs, the Senate will be 50-50, with Vice President-elect Kamala Harris getting to cast any tie-breaking votes. If they do any worse than sweep the state, Republicans will retain control of the chamber. It's hard to overstate the importance of this runoff. And here we are, two months after an election in which the Republicans looked commanding in the Georgia Senate races. How has the field changed since then? Daybreak's Wilson Kahn has more. Recent developments involving the two Republican candidates, Senators David Perdue and Kelly Leffler, have tipped polling slightly in favor of their Democratic opponents, former U.S. House candidate John Ossoff and Reverend Raphael Warnock. The tightening of this race has brought even more national attention and fundraising dollars to the state. No Senate candidate has ever earned more in one race than John Ossoff, who raised roughly $100 million since November, and Raphael Warnock is not far behind. Both parties see this election as crucial to the advancement of their policy agenda and the denial of that of the other party for years to come, and rightfully so. As mentioned earlier, Purdue and Leffler were looking like they were in the driver's seat with regards to re-election following the November race. Purdue narrowly missed the 50% threshold required for outright victory, and Leffler escaped a jungle primary against fellow Republican Doug Collins. Although Leffler was always seen as a weaker candidate than David Purdue due to the fact that she was an appointed senator and is further to the right than Purdue, who is by no means a moderate, there was no major cause for concern right off the bat in this campaign. However, since the two started running their joint campaign late last year, some of their stances began to cause issues. The two initially opposed the push for $2,000 coronavirus relief stimulus checks, and while they did eventually adopt a favorable position towards the policy after President Trump announced his support for the $2,000 checks, the damage had already been done. Warnock and Ossoff seized the opportunity and added this latest blunder to attack ads which already criticized the two Republicans for their shady financial dealings at the beginning of the pandemic, which may have amounted to insider trading. Since this controversy over the holidays, both Democrats have jumped about two points in 538's polling average, expanding their leads from slightly above zero to around two percentage points. While Purdue and Loeffler have been partially responsible for the Democrat upturn in polls, they aren't the only Republicans at fault. Since the presidential election, President Trump and the majority of the GOP have been claiming that this election cycle is rife with fraud and rigged against Republicans. There are signs that these unfounded claims could harm Senators Perdue and Leffler in today's runoff elections, with a vocal section of the Republican Party calling for a boycott of the polls. What gives? Daybreak's Eli Costa has more. At a get-out-the-vote event in late November, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel encountered a raucous crowd demanding to know why they should vote if the outcome has supposedly already been decided. The GOP has adopted two conflicting strategies in the lead-up to today's elections, simultaneously trying to undermine public trust in the presidential election while turning out their base in high enough numbers to maintain control of the Senate for at least the next two years. President Trump himself continues to add to the confusion in the Republicans' messaging campaign. Trump held a campaign rally for Leffler and Purdue in early December, though he spent very little time speaking in favor of the candidates. 
Rather, it was full of additional claims of voter fraud and attacks on Georgia's governor and secretary of state, who have continued to maintain that the presidential election in Georgia was both free and fair. In the short amount of time that the candidates shared the stage with the president, their speeches were drowned out by chants of, stop the steal and fight for Trump. Potentially making matters even worse for Leffler and Purdue, on Sunday, an audio recording of a phone call between President Trump and Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger was released by the Washington Post, in which Trump pressures Raffensperger to, quote, find him the 11,870 votes needed for him to win the state. While Raffensperger insists that the president is citing misinformation and is, quote, just plain wrong. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris has since stated that Trump's call was a, quote, bold abuse of power, while other Senate Democrats are calling for a criminal investigation into it. It is uncertain how this late development could impact today's elections, if at all, but it is certainly not the headlines wanted by the GOP in the closing days of the campaign. All this in mind, are Democrats about to take both Senate seats from Georgia, of all places? Well, maybe not. Eli and Wilson give some final thoughts. Despite bad signs for Republicans in the polling, there's still reason to consider them favorites in this election. For one, Democrats generally see a large drop-off in turnout, especially among black voters in special elections. The party has relaunched canvassing in the state, which it did not do for the November election, in an effort to curb this historical problem. There are signs that this voter turnout issue may not be as large as it has been in the past. Insay Ufat is CEO of New Georgia Project, a nonpartisan voter registration and outreach group. She recently told NPR that over 115,000 newly registered voters have voted in the runoff election that did not vote in the general, over half of whom are people of color. So this first issue for the Democrats might be solved. However, Republicans also have an advantage in persuasion. With Biden's victory, many white, moderate suburbanites who may have considered voting for a Democrat may swing back towards the Republicans, favoring a divided government. The Democratic candidates have also been the target of Republican attacks, which claim that they are too liberal. Despite Ossoff's claims to the contrary, Purdue has flouted the idea that he is a supporter of the Green New Deal and other policies which he claims are part of Ossoff's larger, quote, leftist radical socialist agenda. Leffler has run considerably more aggressive ads against Warnock, which his campaign claims misinterpret the biblical interpretations he presents in his sermons. She has also been known to use the catchphrase, quote, radical liberal Raphael Warnock, using it a total of 13 times in a speech at a recent rally. Democrats fear this characterization of their candidates may cause issues attracting the swing state's voters. Ultimately, though, this race is a massive test of how effective Stacey Abrams' electoral strategy, which is focused on turning out the left, especially black Atlantan voters, and not necessarily appealing to the center, can be in Senate races in Georgia. While it would be an embarrassing loss for Republicans in a traditionally red state, a loss may even be more disappointing for Democrats, costing them a shot at the crucial trifecta in the federal government, and depending on margins, perhaps signifying that Joe Biden's victory in the state in November was a one-off success. Over the next few days, keep an eye on the results coming out of Georgia, and keep in mind that they were one of the latest states to finalize results from the November election. Once the races are called, keep an eye out for a follow-up episode from us, where we'll dive into the results, the stories behind them, and the implications for the Senate term to come. If you're in Georgia, go out and vote. That's all for Daybreak Today. Today's episode is written by Wilson Kahn and Eli Costa, and produced under the 145th Managing Board of the Prince. Our theme is composed by Ed Horan, Class of 22. For the Daily Princetonian, I'm Mark Didici. Have a wonderful day.